We're live. My guest today is Yair Klepper. He is the CEO and co-founder of Lava Network. It's the Uber for blockchain data. In today's conversation, we'll discuss why RPCs are so important to crypto and why they're also a central choke point for Web3. We'll talk about an RPC marketplace where data providers and node runners can provide their RPC nodes to users. We'll talk about how they incentivize quality and quality of service for node runners. And we'll talk about how Lava achieves all this as a Cosmos chain. I'm also dying to find out why he thinks decentralization is a tool, not the goal. So before we go get started, make sure to hit the like button, hit the notification bell and subscribe to get notified when I go live every week. And remember that none of what we discuss here on the interrupt is investment advice. And if you like this podcast, you should consider sticking with us. We're validating on Evmos, Quicksilver, Osmosis, and Juno. Just look for Interop in the active set. My guest, Yer, is coming up the desk right here on the Interop. Hey, Yer. Hello. How hey, are you? That was a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> my, my guest, Yer, is coming up next, and I sort of said, yes, and sort of yet, like, <laughs> yet, as, in, as in like now in German. <laughs> I think before we start, I, uh, uh, my name is always tricky in every language, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. always giving one, one American guy taught me this, and since then, always the same. My name is better pronounced when you say yeah and ear. Yeah, ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, how are you doing? How is everything uh, going since uh, I lost you at Nebula Summit? Is it August? Like, I feel so much work, you know? I, I, I don't know. Uh, like, some people told me vacation, you know, summertime, but uh, there's a lot of things happening, uh, you know, things, exciting things. Um, been into crypto with, uh, with Lava over a year, and that's insane, insane. Feels like a few years. Yeah, I, I feel you. I mean, time passes in crypto super fast and certainly summers uh, pass even faster. And that's the case now. I don't know if you're if you've had some time to take vacation, but uh, we've been just like plugging through all summer and uh, I just didn't even see the summer go by. Don't, don't be but, wrong. I'm a, I'm a great believer of lo, lo, uh, work life balance. Yeah, um, a great parody of that in Israel. Um, you know, I wish it would be translated because it's like. You're laughing, uh, you're laughing your guts out, basically. So, um, yeah, no, I'm taking some time, recharge, uh, but also know how to shift gears when the time is right. Yeah, of course. So I, I want to start a little bit with your background. Like, you have a really interesting past, I feel, because before getting into crypto, you've had several companies um, and uh, that had nothing to do with crypto. I think you were doing, like, an e-commerce sort of company before. So... Yeah, how did you arrive at building Lava, uh, which is, I think, very different from uh, from your past? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I'm a computer engineer, and I was in a special program in the army um, in Israel, and all my life I was surrounded by um, techy things. You know, like um, I was building things, I was developing. Um, I started my first startup when I was 21. And, and that was in uh, kind of uh, a, a tool to build websites uh, on Flash 2009. Uh, and we, we sold the startup three years later. 
and you know, I rolled out to the next next venture, uh, which was fintech. Afterwards, I had the augmented reality, um, business intelligence, and uh, obviously supermarkets. And in every startup, usually I I try to build the first POC, the first technology, the first to understand what's what's the right stack, and always curious about technology, uh, especially especially um, because what I study. Um, but you know, I I was all the time next to Web3, next to crypto, next to the, the white paper of Bitcoin, next to Vitalik as an intern in eToro 2014, uh, speaking one-on-one -on -one with him, but all the time missing that. ICOs, also in Israel, we had a couple of great success there. Yeah, of course. And two years ago, um, I, uh, you know, I uh, was phasing out for my last, my last venture, six years as a solo founder, just a disclaimer, not, never suggest, suggest it to anyone. Um, but we reached an amazing thing with a checkout. It was not really an e-commerce, but it was a physical checkout for supermarkets. So slow pacing cycles, long time to deploy. And I just woke up exactly two years ago, July, August, uh, talking with my co-founder, which is my best friend, about MEV, um, Dex arbitrage, a lot of opportunities in crypto, and me as the first Bitcoin Ethereum buying a year late, a year earlier, so 2020. Um, I felt okay. There, there is something happening here. There is something big that I was kind of uh, ignoring in the last few years, and and yeah, I dive. We dive right into. You know, we. I started looking in this YouTube uh, video channel. It's called Finematics. I uh, could not stop. I met uh, my friend from uh, Danny Adlin from Curve, uh, told me about how they ended up selling to PayPal and how there is so much innovation on one hand, but use cases that are waiting to explode on the other hand. So my first crypto conference was in uh, Solana Breakpoint 2021. You know, it's wow. a good that seems, that seems so like yesterday. <laughs> and he had the all times high of the industry. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Interesting point. Uh, met crazy people there from Cosmos people to Do Kwan to like, like, you know, all the biggest, all the biggest uh, projects and players and got the gist of what we want to build and how we started Lava. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a that's exactly the conference when I decided that I would uh, I would focus on launching a fund. So, um, yeah, I've had sort of a similar trajectory uh, since uh, since that conference. Um, very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys are now a team of like I think over thirty people um, yeah, almost building 40. almost forty building lava, which is really impressive. Like, how how do you scale so fast? And you know, um, what's the um, how, how, how many engineers do you have like compared to like business people or maybe marketing or what's the, what's the breakdown? So, you know, both me and Gil, uh, my co-founder, uh, we are super techie. We were building initiative before Gil was selling his cybersecurity companies uh, in 2017. Uh, he's one of the most brilliant reverse engineer I ever worked with. And 
obviously we have a very good network. People see our success, successes in the past. People want to work, I think, with entrepreneurs that bringing new vision. And we were really humble and overwhelmed also by, by the scale. If you remember last year when we started, uh, it was still the shifting into the bear market and people were still earning a lot. Uh, and, you know, we always say that the people we're working with, ex-cybersecurity engineers, top researchers, cryptographers, they're like a football soccer player. Um, they want a big contract. They, they like to work around the clock uh, and dedicate themselves to a vision. But it's very hard to bring them. And I think what we were able to crack is, first of all, um, make them believe in the vision. We surround ourselves from the get-go with amazing partners, amazing VCs, angels, OGs that started helping us to spread the world. Well, what is it to build an upchain, an L1? What is it to build a crypto project? And once we identify this gap, I think, first of all, recruiting the engineers, recruiting those super talented people um, was helping us while we made sure that they understand the vision. They understand where we can be. They see the, the huge company, the other centralized provider, the other um, crypto project that did 10,000 10, X a year. And they understand that the future belongs here. Community-led protocol, exactly something that we build in Lava. So I think it took us six months to get to 30 people and, and almost 26 engineers. Uh, we scaled afterwards, obviously beefed up the marketing, the project, the business uh, departments. And I think we have, we're creating a family. That's another goal. It's another aspect that I'm always saying while we are in the hiring process. You stay with us, you stay with the people, with your colleagues in Lava, more than you spending time with the family, you know? Unfortunately, we're all workaholic. And this is why we want to have the family vibes. This is why we dedicated a lot of our time last year to build the community around this thing called Lava. Great, it's super cool. And uh, I, I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to uh, go to Tel Aviv and uh, go, go, go meet uh, that big family. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, yeah, what, what is the problem you guys are solving here? Cause I think it's a really interesting problem. I actually spent a little bit of time, you know, researching this problem, like two or three years ago, I was doing some consulting work with, uh, with like a node runner. And it's something that I encountered back then, which I, I didn't realize was the case was that a lot of blockchain protocols, like DeFi protocols and stuff, they're like, they're running uh they're they're running nodes and they're running infrastructure now this was for ethereum it's a little bit different in cosmos but but i realized that a lot of teams they were running all the apis and everything for their front end and i was like well this is kind of weird right like i mean you'd want this to be decentralized and this is where i think like protocols like the graph uh tried to solve this problem now you know lava is a little bit different because you know your 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 first product is um is addressing the RPC, uh, the issue with RPCs, which we'll we'll talk about in a sec. But you know, it also extends to um, to more generalized blockchain data, like like APIs. So, can you describe here, like what what is the core problem with RPCs, and why is it such an important point of the blockchain stack? So it's amazing, but you know, many people 
in the industry. They heard about RPC, but they, they don't really understand how important is RPC. Like RPC is the basic way uh, that all, all apps talk with the blockchain. Every transaction, every message, every piece of data sent and received, um, it's all enabled through a protocol called RPC, Remote Procedure Call. And there is so much useful data that any ecosystem can get from that. Uh, um, how many projects are building on a chain, how many users and stuff like that. So once you, you, need, you need to understand that every developer, every project coming to an ecosystem, they start working with this RPC. So RPC today, um, obviously the first option is to run your own node, right? You can run your own node, get access uh, read-write transaction from the blockchain, and then you don't need anyone. But as Moxie said, nobody today wanted to um, run their own computer. Nobody today want to run their own nodes. So obviously, once there was such a um, such a growth, so much demand um, for different ecosystem, and we all believe in the multi-chain, those centralized providers appeared, and those, those companies really reduced the barrier to entry for everyone who wanted to get data read-write from the blockchain. And they said something simple. We're going to run the nodes for you. So if you needed to run the node, get access, um, accept the consensus of every chain, um, we're going to run it to you. We're going to run the RPC nodes uh, uh, for you. And we will behave, we'll, be, um, we, we'll do it as a middleman. And this is one of the gaps that for us at the beginning was super surprising. Like, you know, we coming to crypto, we came to crypto to develop a lot of amazing apps, uh, but understanding the great values that, that there is in Web3. And we felt that there is a violation, a core violation of all the values of Web3. Because if you trust a middleman, you have a single point of failure. When one of the provider is down, suddenly you cannot get, you, cannot, you don't see your uh, account balance in your wallet. Uh, that using those centralized providers to get the data from the blockchain. Um, you start hearing about things like uh, Tornado Cash, you know, censorship. Um, you, you see this, you know, um, this problem of data accuracy. How do you know the data is from the blockchain? Who proves you that? Maybe this spot price is not even up to date. There's, seem, uh, there's been a lot of DNS hijacking uh, over the last year uh, of people really manipulating the data, not talking even not being irresponsible to the data up to date. It's even manipulating the data and obviously the privacy. We've seen that uh, MetaMask is collecting the information and, you know, as all Web2 companies, many times they, they're selling that to third parties. So this is the first thing we wanted to address. How come, how we build a standard, how we build a community-led protocol, a real public good that everyone can use and benefit. And this mm -hmm. is when we realized that creating Lava is the solution for that. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 a, a great way to describe the say the problem is that 
when you're when you're communicating, I mean, RPC is not really the thing you want. I mean, what you want is you want access to the node, right? So if you're initiating a transaction with a MetaMask wallet or a Kepler wallet, like you want access to the node. RPC is the protocol through which the those the node and the wallet communicates. Wallet sends the transactions through the node uh, through RPC. If you're if you want to run your own, so the thing is with 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 blockchains, the vision was always, I think, for a lot of protocols, you know, the idea was always, okay, people will run their own nodes. It's going to be trivial to run their own nodes. And I think like with Cosmos, when, when Cosmos first, first launched, you know, there were some professional validators, but everybody was just kind of figuring things out. Right. So um, people were professionalizing, but I think over time as, um, as a, as, as blockchain ecosystems grow, they, the infrastructure providers tend to specialize and they specialize because it reduces costs. It reduces, um, it, it improves quality of service. And those are the node providers that tend to uh, to gain the most uh, delegators, for instance. So this is the case in staking, for instance, right? But for, for this is the, the same for for node providers in RPC. Like you don't want to run your own node. I mean, that like takes a lot of time. Uh, you want to make sure that like that node will stay up and everything. And so it's it's it was like a, a natural progression that RPCs would also specialize and and become sort of this thing that is provided by other companies. And like, you know, we know of companies like Alchemy and Infura and, and Ethereum that do a lot of RPC providing. In, in Cosmos, it's a little bit different though, because in, in Cosmos, we don't really have those those companies, right? Like that we don't have like an Alchemy in, Cos in Cosmos, as far as I know. Um, and typically I think what happens is validators will run RPCs and like foundations will, I've heard, I've heard foundations like the Interchain Foundation or like the Evmos Foundation or any blockchain foundation will uh, we'll give a grant to um, or, or pay our uh, validators who know how to run infrastructure to run their our RPC nodes. Is that is that an accurate representation of how RPCs are um, are delivered in Cosmos? So you know, I like what you said. I go, I, I will uh, I will address something you mentioned at the beginning, the Uber for RPC. Um, and obviously, one thing that is a misconception now when we're speaking with a lot of ecosystem, we see. Um, validators that also running RPC. And it should be very clear that um, the same validator node that is being run should not be the same RPC node, right? Um, to make sure... I mean, val validator, like infrastructure providers. Uh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what, you know, was uh, kind of hinted from what you said is that validators anyway running validator nodes, so they're going to do the RPC. But this is a common mis uh, misconception that once we go to ecosystem, we say, by the way, is it the same node, RPC node and the validator node that they run? And we see that a lot of ecosystems don't have these insights. So that's one of the misconceptions. But think about that, that there's a lot of RPC providers like that have a spare capacity and monetize their resources much better um, if, if there's going to be a marketplace for that. So today, we can agree that it's not allocated efficiently, not regionally, not geolocation efficiently. Uh, the rewards are not uh, uh, distributed efficient, efficiently. And we think that if we incentivize more nodes and aggregate all the node service RPC into one protocol, that pairs the needs from the dApps and the, and the providers, that's going to create a real public good. So imagine 
that you have a global Uber for RPC. If you want to request a taxi in the Uber app, right, is like sending an RPC request to Lava. So the Uber app will just look at a few things, you know, who is the Uber driver that's available? Who is the closest to you, geolocation, region-wise? And who has the best rating according to what you need, right? Because if you're doing real quickly swapping, trading, and you need honesty of the data, you can just create a flag about that. And you are willing to pay more to ensure that the data is accurate, right? So the same way that uh, the Lover Protocol pairs application with the best uh, node available. So every node that gets the RPC responses is constantly being scored. Speed, uptime, uh, accuracy. And as more, as more providers that are pairing there, so the protocol is super available. Right. If one if one provider is down, automatically reverting to another provider. Um, you know that the nodes are close by according to your geolocation. And obviously, you can continue and come back to the same node provider that scored highly before. And, you know, one, one of the good examples that we used about that, that uh, RPC is like a, a Web, Web3 postman. He's running across the city, every transaction, every message he delivery, every piece of user data is sent or retrieved from the blockchain using this RPC code. And think about Lava as this postman. Okay, yeah. Lava, the blockchain postman. I like it. <laughs> another, another great analogy, uh, aside from the Uber for blockchain data. Um, so... Well, who? So let's 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 take a step back here and just look at the Lava network. Uh, so Lava is a Cosmos chain. Uh, it, it has its own validators. So we know like those are the those are network participants. And then it has um, a network of node runners that may be running nodes on different chains. Um, so we, we know that. Can, can you expand a little bit on like of course. Um, these these different uh, these different participants and you know, might those node runners also be running infrastructure for Lava, as in like validating for Lava? Um, yeah. Definitely. So, you know, one of the, we've seen a lot of amazing projects in the past. You mentioned the graph, the other uh, other protocols that try to do something similar. And we try to learn where was their drawbacks. And so in Lava, we try to keep it simple approach. Uh, we have providers, we have uh, consumers, dApps, and we have validators. None of those three has to overlap the other. Validator can run on, only validating, only do validating to Lava. Make sure, keep the honesty of the chain. Make sure that uh, if there is a dispute or conflict uh, um, a detection, they know how to solve it. They know how to score the, the different providers. Providers should run at least a full node in any other dedicated chain. So for example, I'm running Arbitrum chain. Everyone who needs Arbitrum data automatically will be paired to you. Um, and I can support as many nodes as I need, as I want as a provider. Again, I don't need to be a validator. I don't need to be a provider. That's two separate entities. And the last one is a consumer. We are flexible in love. 
And that's one of the core values we're bringing. Um, so Lava is actually divided into a few different categories when coming to consumers. We have a pairing. We have the quality management or uh, quality of scoring, the insights, and the settlement for the RPC. So if you want to use Lava, if you want to read write data, you can use whether our gateway or the SDK. Installing the SDK means that directly from the browser, you get access to all Web3. Because remember, once we're going to do the mainnet, you know, it's a public good. Everyone can join and start providing his own uh, spec, his own integration for different L1s, L2s, every ecosystem. This is also why we chose Cosmos and Cosmos SDK Tendermint because of the flexibility and the proven record, track record of uh, scalability for different protocols. The second thing is uh, the pairing. So we have, we at Lava has an algorithm that always pairs developers, the consumers, with the best uh, node that is available. Uh, constantly, um, we're looking at parameters such as uptime, sync, latency, geolocation, and rating. Once this pairing has been made, think that the DAP has now a list of different uh, providers that they are constantly speaking with him peer-to-peer. -peer. So no over-latency is being caused here. And um, I think that it's important to mention one of the key novelties here, quality control. Every client on Lava is actually scoring constantly the provider for the session of the data that was transmitted. So over time, those scores influence like which provider you as a consumer will be paired in the future. And this quarter, we also introducing that uh, a clustering to pair consumer together who like similar providers, kind of analogies or profiling the same uh, different providers. Uh, the third point is about what we call uh, analytics insights. So, you know, RPC, as you said, is uh, the fundamental communication protocol for every developer in Web3. And look how much data or metadata they uh, ecosystem are missing today because they don't know what's going on there. Not in the public RPC, not what's going on with every provider in the chain. You, speak, you spoke about Cosmos, how fragmented is the ecosystem and how so many provi different providers they have. But think if you have one protocol that can is, is kind of a one uh, shared ledger with equal access for every developer. And obviously the most innovative product wins. So Lava lets you see where users in the ecosystem making relay requests from, which geolocation, what are they building, what kind of uh, APIs called or RPC they are looking for, and how many end user finally a chain has. Think about this insight. The last thing about Lava is obviously the settlement layer. If I'm today a centralized provider, at the end of the month, I need to run after each and every one of the, my user, my dApps, while in Lava, we present a settlement layer. It's 
every single provider has the opportunity to earn the rewards only by being listed on Lava. It takes five minutes listing yourself um, and you getting the rewards for offering a high quality service. No need anymore to start running after the end user. They have subscription fees for Lava and Lava is taking care of the protocol for giving all the rewards and settlement at the end of the month. And that's why I think at the end of the day, an average RPC provider or community provider, super user of specific uh, specific ecosystem have much better chance to play against a large provider. We give the, the, the power uh, to reach more developer just by being good in what in, in what you do in, in your existing and leveraging your existing infrastructure. So imagine a developer that's running nodes on Evmos from, uh, you know, from India can list his existing infrastructure, his existing node on Lava and start receiving from $200 up to $2,000 a month just for that. I hope it's kind of makes Yeah, sense. no, that, that's fair. I mean... I, I'm I'm really looking forward to see you know when Lava launches, um, all of this playing out in real time, and you know how how much money people are actually making from um, uh, from running infrastructure versus like their server costs. Because I mean I think there's there are uh, Wait, examples. Live on, Sorry? Maybe, by the way, we're already live on testnet. Yeah, yeah, of course. But like, and you know, more than two hundred providers with. 15, more than 1,500 validators already on the chain. Yeah, I, I mean, like, um, what, sorry, what I meant was, like, when when there's, like, you know, lots of mainnet chains on uh, um, on, uh, on on Lava that are that are using this infrastructure, the thing, like, so if, if you look at Uber, for example, um, Uber, I think when it started back in, like, 2010, there was very little demand for it, and it was... It was seen as sort of premium service. Um, you would pay a little bit more, or I think, for the, than a taxi, and oh. um, and drivers were making were making money, right? And then over time, Uber has become like a commodity. Um, a driver is is more of a commodity, I guess. Drivers are driving with many different apps. Uh, they're not really making money. I mean, they're they're making like very little money. So I wonder if over time, like this. This may also happen for node providers, and then that, that then in that case, node providers would have to tend towards special specialization. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how like how the market sort of like evolves. But, uh, but yeah. you, touch, you touch a very uh, very interesting and important point. Like today, RPC is a commodity. It's you know it's it's clear. However, because it's a commodity and because we're in a bear market, you see quotes between dApps and providers like crazy everyone wants to win so the quotes are reducing 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 and it doesn't make sense today so the the, the competition mm -hmm. today is on the price we want to take this hold the providers accountable and bring the competition to the quality of service but if we think about uber how they started think about all of these different cities that Today, they don't have any insight about what's going on in their core layer. They don't have, they cannot show you much better engagement 
of any user in the community. And think about this ecosystem, what we're bringing to them. Those municipalities, we're giving them the platform to kind of um, bring the, the power back to them because public RPC, that's the first stop of every developer, right? And if we improve this user experience and we make the RPC reliable on the public RPC, dApps will enjoy a resilient, um, a resilient chain. And they don't need to start looking for different endpoints and alternative endpoints. Um, so we're coming to every municipality like that and telling them, look, mm. you have the incentivized public RPC. It's a platform that can bring the hundreds of providers that are already there. It makes sure that the dApps don't even think, oh, which provider I should make if they're coming from a different chain and kind of standardize the way RPC and APIs today are being made. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's kind of how we look uh, in the same analogy to, to Uber. Interesting. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the different components here. I want to talk about the SDK, but um, first I want to understand how you guys are doing the like the the QRS stuff, right? So understanding whether or not a node is um, is withholding data, the uptime. And one thing I'm particularly kind of like curious about is like, how do you ensure that a node is in this in a particular geography? So like all that, um, that quality of service insurance, uh, how does Lava achieve that? And like, what are some ways that uh, you guys are innovating on, um, on the, uh, on the quality of service aspect? Perfect. So, um, you know, when a node provider uh, signing up on Lava said it uh, takes five minutes uh, up to uh, you know maximum of 30 minutes and we're constantly improving that. Uh, but they first listing their uh, um, they, uh, staking, actually, the, the Lava token in a specific geolocation. So this is how we hold them accountable in this specific geolocation to provide the, the data. Sorry, and how does that work exactly? So like they're staking in a geolocation. Stake, yeah, they're staking lava in a specific geolocation. You know, you are okay. Um, yeah, that's the information that uh, we that we collecting. Okay, and we this. So they're staking with a validator that has its node in a specific location. No, they don't have. No, they don't have to uh, stake with the validator. There is a Docker. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. We, so we, we, we basically, I can put the, you know, the docs afterwards. Um, sure, sure. Um, as a link. But I'm saying that this pairing is like once a, a, once a provider is being paired to a user, this is being done the same way that uh, centralized provider working today. It's a peer-to-peer okay. And so imagine that Lava is the SDK bringing a fleet of node provider and the DAP is actually connected to this fleet of nodes. So each time, obviously, we're starting a session, we call it the Epic. And this session is 15 minutes. Um, and every 15 minutes, we make sure uh, that uh, the session is live. And obviously, we're collecting all the different parameters from there. So you think about uh, what's the latency, How's the uptime uh, sync? And you know, const the, this the session could be 
um, um, could be extended, obviously, after the 15 minutes for as much time and data that those players need. And at the end of the session, once the DAP uh, finished the transaction, he's signing over the transaction, giving it back to the provider. The provider, obviously, automatically sending it to the validator in order to receive the rewards at the end of the month. And this is one of the key innovation here, and we call it the subscription fees. Because it's not by, um, by session. It's kind of we're bringing the SaaS into the RPC API world. So think about like a subscription package for one month, three months, six months, one year that, that dictates how much, um, uh, what's the amount of relays, compute units, the request per seconds that we give to, that every DApps can use. And this settlement layer that I mentioned before is taking care of organizing all the rewards for each and every provider and providing the rewards at the end of the month. Payment is actually at the end of the month. That's how on the one hand we're holding the um, we're holding the provider accountable for the performance and the service of the data. Today, you know, if one provider is like down, what usually DApps are doing is implementing a multi-vendor policy. So they con they contacting or contracting several uh, node providers. And in addition to that, they're doing a load balancer, backup, a disaster recovery. And I can continue with uh, so many policies like that. So Lava is taking the burden of DApps that needs to do that. And when I mentioned before that we are live for already a few months, um, although, although it's still the testnet, not the mainnet, we see a decrease of 50% the amount of DApps need to pay on infrastructure. Because now they can take their existing infrastructure, their existing resources, and don't spend them on implementing the different backing up, load balancing, and stuff like that. They don't need to contract many different providers. They use the Lava SDKO gateway, and they get access to all these providers while we're taking the burden of uh, RPC off of their head. Okay. So it. So uh, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying here. So when you're a user um, and you you access Lava, it is giving you access to a list of RPC providers that have sort of staked, right? They've identified their node to be like in a specific geolocation. That uh, information to increase the latency, obviously. Right. So so the 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 test there on the latency is so if I'm if I'm my node is in the US and I sign up on Lava and I say like I'm actually in Europe, well I'm not going to be able to compete with all of the nodes that are actually based here in France or OVH or Hetzner or whatever because my node's over in the US and like that latency is going to be too high and and therefore like I'll I'll be pushed down to the bottom of the stack there. So you're you're incentivized as a node to actually be in the geolocation that you are. Um, we, we, then, incentivize, we incentivize a node to give the best yeah. performance they right. can. And, yeah, and yeah. what you said, by the way, it's very interesting because if suddenly there is a NFT drop, there is a mainnet 
airdrop in some rural location, you know, so it's going to attract by supply and demand, going to attract node provider to come up with infrastructure there because, and, and they can do it in a few seconds. So, you know, a marketplace, dynamic pricing and stuff like that is just the tip of what we can do with such a, uh, um, you know, global standard. And um, with regards to to freshness and, and accuracy, um, what what's the what's the way that you guys are checking for for accuracy of block data? Yeah. So today we we use a few algorithms to make sure that the data is accurate. So we are starting from sampling every few transaction. The same request that being sent to a specific uh, provider, we're sending it to a couple of providers. So um, we make sure that the, the quality and the accuracy of the data between the different, um, uh, the different uh, requests, or the same request and the different providers. Um, the provider don't know, the provider doesn't know that he's being sampled, he's been randomly picked to use that. And on and on, we increasing the, the scoring of every provider, right? <clears throat> and this is, this is our tool, this is our technique to maintain the freshness and uh, obviously availability of the data. So, Interesting. you know, um, we look at different um, um, zero knowledge proofs and other authentication methods in order to, to improve all the time the accuracy of the data but that's how we start cool so let's talk about the sdk a little bit more so so the sdk as far as i understand is like if you're a if you're an application if you're building a web app like you're building you know some dap uh the the sdk is going to sit in the dap so basically the user is loading up the sdk and what's really interesting here is that the 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 user is getting matched to uh, an infrastructure provider, essentially, as far as I understand, in, in their browser, right? Like, I mean, this this peer-to-peer -peer matching is happening locally. And so as a user, I'm going up to an app, that app is is connecting to Lava and determining on the spot, what is the RPC or data provider that I should be uh, matched with based on all these parameters? Um, how does, like, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about how that works? Yeah, no, that's, you know, you you describe it perfectly, uh, perfectly well. Imagine, and that's what we've been asked always at the beginning, like, is Lava, is, uh, is Lava uh, fast enough? Um, uh, you know, Cosmos is not but, sure. But, but wait, but wait, doesn't this mean that you also need, like, Lava also needs its own RPC and API? I mean, at some point, there has to be some API, right? Like, are you also decentralizing the access to the lava no, network? No, just, um, let me, yeah, you, I, I understood where you, you take your, your thought, but um, what, so lava doesn't see the data. That's how we can uh, make sure, maintain full privacy. And we care about the only data that we're processing is the pairing and scoring data. Okay, so that's how we can make sure that the provider held accountable for what they bring, uh, they being score for the service, and the apps get all the values of Web3 straight from the browser. 
And that's why we build Lava as a lazy blockchain. You know, the, the speed isn't so crucial. The only crucial thing is to make sure that they get impaired from the browser to the best, closest, uh, um, closest region, the best performance um, provider in their geolocation. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one very simple thing, right? But very crucial to understand how Lava Note is not a middle tier, is not uh, a, a, in the middle. From yeah, no, I think I get, I get that lava is not in the middle. Yeah, but 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 I mean, you still have to connect to lava. Like, there's still that point where you're connecting to like a lava server, and lava is doing this this matching. No, the SDK is an open source. Yeah. So basically, um, e holding in every region the exact uh, list of providers that is that are available that their bargain right is available in the same region. So when you think about, you know, I'm a DAP, I'm in uh, England right now, I'm in the UK, and I want to get access to a, you know, Polygon node, right? So we know at every, every minute of time um, to bring those top providers into your SDK, into the web browser, so you maintain the connection. Lava doesn't need to be in this flow. And after a successful transaction, when the consumer uh, signed the transaction, in their own time, basically, until the end of the month when collecting the payday, the, the, the paycheck day, um, that's the only time that they need to contact again Lava, the validators, in order to receive the reward. Okay, got it. Um, okay, that's super clear. Let's, let's talk about this... Um... This idea of like incentivized public RPC. You gave a talk at uh, Nebula Summit about this, and um, and you have a partnership with Axelar and with Evmos uh, to provide public RPCs. Yeah, what's the what's this idea of an incentivized public RPC, and um, what's the uh, what's this partnership you have? Definitely. So I think you know we we mentioned at the beginning we're super excited about Axelar and Evmos. There are many more other partnerships coming up. <clears throat> but Lava has a new vision for the public RPC. I'm, let's say I'm a developer. I want to build on top of Axelar. So I can run an Axelar node. I can uh, use one of the centralized providers. Or I can use the public RPC. But as I mentioned before, public RPC is the, is the backyard of every ecosystem. And we want to bring back the insight and the power to this ecosystem. So um, we came up with the first product of Lava. And this is an incentivized public RPC. We believe that you know, the core contributor, the, the tech user, the super users of every ecosystem are, are techie. So they're running already a, a node. They're running a node for their own uh, usage. But we believe that if they can list the node on the incentivized public RPC, we start, they, they can be monetized, they can get monetization uh, from ideal infrastructure that, you know, in idle time they don't use. Um, so for ecosystem, there are a couple of values that, that Lava brings uh, in terms of this uh, uh, IPRPC. Um, we drastically improve the user experience. Um, if today it's a rate limit 
or stuff like that, when you bring more and more provider, obviously you increase the resiliency uh, and alternate you know, to alternative uh, endpoints at the end of the day. You reduce to wasted spend. Think that every ecosystem will have a dashboard to monitor all the node provider in the community. Um, and the ecosystem can track the quality of service that being, and continue incentivizing that without wasting spend, without need to spend their own resources on running nodes for the, for the ecosystem. Think about, uh, easy one-click distribution of payments at the end of the month. We see that you mentioned, in, in, especially in Cosmos, we see a lot of validators also running nodes. And to claim the payments at the end of the month, there's a lot of back and forth. Think that everything is on-chain and Lava provides this settlement layer to pay all the provider using a smart contract. But this time it's based on the actual quality of service that uh, we elaborated before. Um, on top of that, we can bring also, we bring also the 200 provider that already signing up um, to Lava and think about the new ecosystem that has created their EVM, the non-EVM. Um, we can bring those providers in order to serve and join the, join the, join the, uh, the chain creating much more engagement, grow the community like that. So all the Web3 uh, ideas to increase decentralization is from the node level. Um, this is what we think is a game changer for uh, public RPC by our new product that we call it incentivized public RPC. This is the standard we try to push for every ecosystem right now. And uh, can you talk a little bit about the specifics of, um, like I think with Evmos, you guys have a grant program, um, or you're you're you were selected from the by by the by this grants program uh, to to build this out. Um, what does that mean, really, and like what's the roadmap for uh, for launching um, on Evmos? So uh, Edmos, Axelar, uh, we're going to share the timeline very soon. So it should be uh, live already during September, um, October. And what we're planning there is this um, allocation of different rewards to list on the, on the public RPC. So once you're listing the rewards, every node that being served is eligible to re receive this, this reward. So it can start from a small, uh, any developer that's running one, two nodes, up to medium and even big companies that can be listed on Lava on this uh, uh, IPRPC uh, to receive uh, the payments at the end of the month. But I think the idea here is like much broader because we, we want to be the RPC as a public good, right? So we want to be the number one provider on Cosmos Everyone looking for RPC, first of all, coming to Lava, making sure that they know they will get the quality of service they're paying for. We want to help uh, Cosmos improve their product marketing, but by giving better um, insights to every ecosystem that's starting to work with us. This is how we start to work with uh, Axelar and Evmos. 
Cool. Well, looking forward to that. Um, so who who pay like at the end of the day, who pays for lava? I mean, is it the user that's paying for lava and some sort of a transaction fee when they're interacting with Web3 or are the protocols paying, uh, subsidizing the access to the to the node? Um, yeah, what's the what's the economics look like? So um, obviously we think that as as more vibrant and more activity you can see you go in ecosystem. Um, the more successful it will become. So those ecosystem and those we we submitting grant proposal, um, governance proposal and grants, and every ecosystem decides how much incentive they want to list for for the usage. So obviously public RPC is a, is is a free tool, right? It's a free access to to every ecosystem, and what what we're trying to bring is a better product. It's a better R, public RPC for um, uh, for the devs that's starting to to build on top of that. So um, the ecosystem themselves can decide how much rewards they want in order to distribute among the provider. Every DApp will enjoy at the end of the day a better scaling uh, um, solution. And once they want to go to the next level, to a premium level, they can buy more subscriptions directly uh, from Lab. And that's 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 the idea in general. Um, we uh, we're working on the exact fees that will be uh, will be left on the subscription on on the Lava subscription fees and packages. Uh, but constantly what we see from ecosystem, it's they're looking at bringing more activity to that. Not staying only on the RPC, but taking it to also APIs. Think that, and, and that's the example you know, we gave in Nebular. Think that um, wallet APIs uh, to Kepler. Um, think about NFT indexing APIs. The some developers on Evmos that already developed them in one part of the globe, but they can list those APIs, and by making that, starting to receive royalties from everyone who's using that. Imagine Lava as the IP APIs, a board that every uh, every every developer can list his own the API that already uh, been developed and make it bring activity to the chain by doing that. Because obviously after they develop something for internal use and listed that, and they receive rewards at the end of the month, they're going to go and tell everyone on uh, crypto Twitter, or, uh, you know, we say today crypto X. Um, uh, and we believe that this will create much more engagement for every ecosystem. Um. So, like, let's talk about these APIs for a little bit because I, it, it seems to me like as uh, as Lava moves forward in its vision, so starting with RPCs and then APIs, at some point, like, you, I mean, you can start providing, say, pricing data or this sort of thing. Like, Lava can become more like Oracle-like. Um, yeah, what's your vision for how that might, was that like a terrain in which you 
want to expand or is like the a API and RPC use case really what you want to stick to? So yeah, to, towards the mainnet by the end of the year, we have a big vision and that's keep evolving all the time. Think that you have a standout starting from RPC. A lot of many provide hundreds and thousands of different providers in different ecosystems. Validators on Lava also, that's validating on other places. And you have a one source of truth per ecosystem. So as a dev, once I pay one-time subscription on Lava, I want to move from building from Polygon to Starkware to any Cosmos chain, I can do it with one click. So devs finally getting the, the confidence that um, they have a reliable, resilient infrastructure to access Web3. No more, oh, what's my quote here? What's my quote? Here? It's going to be balanced by the market supply and demand, by the market powers, right? So that's from the developer part. But in the provider's part, imagine that you have a real source of truth for what's going on in every different L1, L2s, real-time information, um, and everything is on-chain. So I just gave the gist, and obviously we're going to expose slowly our uh, big, big plans, but, but this is exciting, you know? This is, this is super exciting. Lava is an ecosystem, is a community. We see already now different types of um, project being built on Lava from dev, dev tools, uh, DevOps tools, obviously running node, running validator, staking. Think about insights, insight to ecosystem. Being from basic question to how many developers we have in an ecosystem up to what's the top trend. You know, crypto Twitter can say what's the top trend because of the hashtag, right? How you can say in a Cosmos ecosystem, what's the trend right now? You basically cannot, right? Yeah. And this is only a, a gist of what will be the huge potential we can do with Lava. We starting with RPC. That's the entry point. We're going already to APIs, indexing, uh, wallet APIs, NFTs. And we're growing to a big ecosystem that's connecting between all the different layers of Web3. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I can see how, you know, once you have integrations with things like Axelar uh, or, or some other like ZK, IBC, you know, cross ecosystem, cross domain bridging solution, uh, it gets a lot easier to also access data from other ecosystems. So like if you're on a Cosmos chain and, you know, you want to access Ethereum data or something like that, you, you, you could do that. Um, one of the things I, I was thinking... Yeah. Just to, to add on top of that, or just, I feel the need, the urge, you know, as an entrepreneur to put the pin in it. Um, yeah. Today, nobody's take financial guarantee for the data. You speak about one side, which is the accessing the data. It's amazing, yeah? But what about the other side? Being accountable for this data. And when you have... Obviously, every provider on Lava is receiving data because of the quality of service and because of the stake. So more the stake, more service they're likely to, to use. And 
think about a, 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 you have a fleet of financial um, guarantees that take accountability over the data and they feel obliged to be to bring you the most accurate freshnet available data what power it can it can it can create yeah absolutely um one, one thing i i i don't i wanted to understand here and maybe this is where axler comes in so you guys are running uh so people can already use lava they can go to the website they can like log in uh, on the test net and they have access to something like 25 chains that you guys are providing RPCs for. And some of those chains are Cosmos chains. Many of them are, and others are like Ethereum is on there. Ethereum mainnet. And there's some other, uh, EVM chains, I believe. So uh, as, um, what, what's, what's interesting here. And I, I, I'd like to know maybe some of the technical complexities is that this is a, this is an example of Cosmos infrastructure potentially being used by Ethereum applications. And the Ethereum applications don't even need to, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, do they, do, or is there any sort of like bridging that needs to happen for, for that data to be accessible there? Like maybe when they're interacting with the Lava chain or something, or like how easy is it for Ethereum chains to use this? Super easy. We support any EVM, non-EVM chains. Once we're gonna be on mainnet, everyone can provide a spec Everyone can come up with their own needs, requirements for integration, listed that at the governance proposal on Lava, and someone from the community is going to quickly build that because they want to be the first to receive the rewards, obviously, if there is a demand. You know, for example, uh, DYDX coming now um, um, to uh, Cosmos. Um, MetaMask is coming, uh, you know, MetaMask Snap is actually around the corner. Um, but yeah, so what I want to say, we support the multi-chain, right? We have a clear visibility over the different chains, but you don't need to do bridging, uh, in order to use Lava. You as a dev who wants to write retransaction in a specific ecosystem can simply do that by signing up or, uh, on Lava gateway or download the SDK. And this is how we keep it very, very simple, right? Because obviously we're working on the, um, um, the, uh, the U UX and UI of every, of, every, um, of every developer onboarding to this chain. And um, yeah, you know, I think that's kind of summarize uh, answering the question. Cool. Um, so yeah, what's the roadmap? Um, how can people uh, get started with Lava? Maybe providing some node infrastructure, maybe getting involved in the testnet. Yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, we have a very vibrant community on Discord. Uh, our, uh, our Twitter I have so much information and, and that's something amazing. That is a kudos to the, ecosystem, the, the community and marketing team every time. I'm showing up, you know, in a Lava conference. Oh my God, we love the content. We love how technical can be the docs, but how simplified it could be. And I think uh, our Twitter and Discord is a great place uh, to start. We're inviting everyone from running one nodes to developer that just started and want to use a free free tier RPC service on 25 chains um, to, you know, start using Lava. Download the SDK, hundreds of downloads we had only last week. 
we just forked uh, our last testnet um, when coming up with super amazing features. Some of them I mentioned today uh, in the call. And also we're hiring. So, uh, you know, we continue expanding the team. Um, especially now I, we are strengthening the sales. So everyone around the sales partnership uh, worked with foundations, um, different DAOs, L1s, L2s. Please reach out. Uh, we're looking for you. <laughs> And yeah, the roadmap is uh, we are working super strong on the mainnet. Uh, it will come by the end of the year. Um, teaser of a new version of SDK that's gonna make um, you know if if the first SDK was a game changer because there's nothing like that in in, in Web three so far. So the next version of the SDK, the performance the usability will be crazy. As I mentioned before, provider can join five minutes up to 30 minutes, sign up on Lava. Validators are also invited. And yeah, this is how we create a vibrant community that's going to be a standard for any RPC API in Web3. Great. Yair, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and uh, sharing the vision for Lava. I'm super excited about it. And um... Yeah, can't wait to see it go to Mainnet and take over the RPC world in Cosmos and also beyond. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyed this conversation and you're welcome to come back on anytime. Seb, thank you so much. I'm inviting you to eat our croissant now. Um, <laughs> it's a lava croissant. You want to know something? I think I think one of the best croissants I've ever had, and I mean, and I've had a lot of croissants, was in Israel. Um there was, there was, I went to this brunch place and they made this like the massive, like very crunchy, buttery croissant. And uh, oh it's on my like God. Ben Gideon Street. I, yeah. I think you live in Paris and you mentioned an Israeli <laughs> croissant. Okay. Well, thank you. You, you. Everyone can skip all the discussion, can come up for the last minute. Oh, yeah. You, you should send me this place. I'll mention that. Yeah. Place. I think, actually, I think I, I, I saved it, but I'll send it to you. <laughs> All right. No, I tell you, I tell you, in Israel, we like to take things to the extreme. Everyone is uh, giving great feedbacks about the food. And food is great. Yeah, I really enjoyed the food in Israel, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I want to go back. <laughs> um, great. Looking forward to host you there. Thank you for cool. the time. Thank you. Cheers.